here's what we're going to do. We're going to, we're, we're reframing leadership. Uh, today we're going to talk about the blessed way. We're going to talk about the blessed way. Um, what's your longest argument? A standing argument. Uh, any, uh, any like week-long arguments? Any of y'all been in those? Week-longers. Uh, one-monthers? Any of y'all been in one-monthers? Six-monthers. Year-long. Over a year. You're all petty. Um, so, um, my wife and I, my wife and I, check this, this is crazy. We've only been married four years, but we're on like a six-year argument right now. Um, we, we, we go to the same gym, uh, shout out Kolaw. And, uh, see, some of y'all know it, some of y'all know it. So, so I go like probably three, four times a week at about 3.30 p.m. My wife, she's better than me. She goes every morning at 5 a.m. faithfully. Um, Every now and then we'll go to the gym together, mainly on Saturdays, because we're trying to be a cute influencer, your favorite couple's favorite couple kind of thing. <laughs> and so, so, so then there are days where I let go of my trust issues, I let her drive, so we get into Chelsea's car. <laughs> and so we live uh, 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 over by Schifferdecker. So we're in the car, we get in her car, and she's driving, she goes down 4th Street, and she gets to this uh, intersection at 4th and Murphy, just here down the street. And at the intersection on 4th and Murphy, she puts her blinkers on to go uh, right. And then I say to myself, Lord, I think my bride is deceived. Because <laughs> clearly everybody knows, like, you're going down 4th Street. Now, Cola, it's down the street. So you're going down 4th Street. You keep going down 4th Street until you get to St. Louis. Then you turn right at St. Louis. Then, boom, you're in Cola's parking lot. But I'm like, my wife is deceived. Me being the Superman of a husband I am, I've got to go save her. So I'm like, Chelsea, what are you doing? And she says, I'm going to the gym. And I said, no, you're not. The gym is this way. And then we get in this whole, have you ever been in like a whole argument in the two sections? You're in an intersection. So we're going back and forth, back and forth. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Chelsea, Dron, it's not that big of a deal. Chelsea, you're wasting 1.2 minutes. I've measured. Dron, it's not that serious. They all go to the same place. No, it doesn't go to the same place. Then finally, because I'm mature, I, I shut up. <laughs> but in my head, I'm talking. <laughs> Every time we get to that inter intersection, it's tension. You can feel the tension. Because <laughs> my way is the best way. What's, what's the best way? What's, what's the best way of leadership? Here's one thing I know. Uh, all of us being here at Ozark, at some point, either now, later, in the past, we find ourselves in position of leadership. Uh, simplify it, leadership's influence. Having an official or unofficial role of influence within a group of people over a person, it's leadership. And here's the question we end up asking ourselves, what's the best way to do this? How can I do this in a way that's good for them and good for me? What's the best way of leadership? Some of y'all know the strain it is of sitting in your car, uh, game planning, trying to go back to the drawing board while you're driving to youth group, figuring out how am I actually gonna lead six musty seventh graders? You, some of y'all know the anxiety of when you've got no clue, you're like, I don't know what's gonna happen, God, we'll see. Well, what's the best way of leadership? Jesus said, I've got something better for you, I've got a blessed way. 
blessed. It's favored by God. It's being made fortunate by God. It's God touching your leadership. Don't know what that'll look like in all cases, but Jesus says there's a blessed way. Uh, the passage we just read, Jesus, he's essentially taking his disciples to leadership school. He gives them an object lesson of what leadership should look like. And at the end of it, he says, I've just given you an example. I've just demonstrated a way of leadership. And if you do those things, if you do what I did, you'll be blessed. This is the blessed way of leadership. So let's change our question. What's the best way is too low of a question. Let's raise it to Jesus' standard. What's the blessed way of leadership? What's the blessed way of leadership? I'm glad you asked. Let's, let's jump into this text. What I want to do is I want to look at the, the blessed way that Jesus exemplifies and pull out three uh, expositional observations, if you could. Does that sound like a plan? All right, here's the first one. Um, the blessed way of leadership is recognizing what God's put in your hands. Uh, shout hands. hands. One more time, shout hands. The, the blessed way of leadership is recognizing what Jesus, what God has put in your hands. Did you see how this whole thing started? It starts by saying, Jesus, knowing that the Father had put all things into his hands, he had come from the Father and he was going back to the Father. Most of you know this is an allusion to Daniel chapter 7 verse 14 where there's one like a son of man who, who climbs the stairway to heaven on a cloud and the Father, God, gives all things into his hand, authority, kingdom, dominion. Jesus is recognizing I am the one who's received all things from the Father. He recognizes what God had given him. But this isn't the only time he does it. After he died and came back up, one of the first things Jesus told his disciples is, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He recognized what had been given to him. The blessed way includes recognizing what the Father has placed in your hands. Jesus doesn't just do this. The apostles do this as well. Have you read in the New Testament where almost every time Paul talks about his ministry, he says, yeah, I'm an apostle made by God. God's given me the apostleship. But look at how Paul always nuances it. If you pay attention really closely, for the most part, this is definitely all throughout in Ephesians. When Paul talks about his apostleship, he says, it's a stewardship. It's management. It's responsibility. Paul, Paul says, I, I've got this thing from the Father, but it's not so much power for me to wield. It's not a title for me to do what I want with. It's a responsibility. Paul, he recognizes, passing it down from the Jesus, he recognizes the responsibility that God has placed in his hands. So, so here's a picture for you. I've got this microphone in my hand. This is power. I can do whatever I want with this microphone, technically. We can have 20 minutes of sing-along throughout the decades. I've got sunshine. <laughs> I preach, I don't sing. Or I can get up here and tell a bunch of dad jokes what's a fish with no eyes. Hey. <laughs> I can do a whole lot with this microphone, but here's the thing. There, there's people who, they have expectations for how they want me to use this microphone. They gave me this microphone with a specific assignment. They gave me this microphone with specific responsibilities, and the minute I stop doing with this microphone what they want me to do with this microphone, at the least, Mark and his crew can shut me right off. At the most, Isaac Shade and Matt Proctor can walk up here and take it from me. They gave me this thing, which is power, but really, this is responsibility. Oh, friends, you find yourself in leadership in leadership's positions, that influence that God has given you as responsibility. It is not power for you to do what you want to do with it. He says, recognize what's in your hand. 
we Christians, we are set up above all people in the world to have the healthiest relationship with power. You hear me? There should be no reason that while some people over here are wielding power, saying, I'm in charge, I'm going to do what I want, and some people over here are saying power is inherently evil, curse it all, there's no reason why we should be caving to either sides. We, of all people, recognize all power belongs to God. Any power given to man is delegated by God. It's a responsibility. It's not mine to curse. It's not mine to wield. It's mine to hold in the way that God gave it to me. We should have the healthiest relationship with power. Student minister, you've got spiritual authority, but that's not your authority to do what you want. Some of you are managers in Olive Garden, if you will. You've got authority, but that's not yours to do what you want. Some of you are going to become parents. You'll have authority, but that's not yours to do what you want. It's not about being in charge. It's primarily about responsibility. That's the first one. The blessed way of leadership is recognizing what God's placed in your hands. Here's the second one. Uh, the blessed way of leadership is focusing your eyes on those whom God has placed you with. Shout eyes. eyes. One more time. Eyes. eyes. Do, you, do, you, do you see what Jesus did? It said, so he, he recognized what God placed in his hands. He, he recognized all of it. And then it said he started, to, he started to serve. He started to wash the feet of who? The disciples. Jesus, he focused his effort on the disciples. This is a microcosm of Jesus' whole leadership career. Jesus, he taught to crowds. Jesus, he healed people. But he gave himself to these 12 dudes. Have you ever noticed how Jesus talked about these 12? Here in our text, he says, I chose you. Luke chapter 5, I believe, uh, right before Jesus picked all of them, he spent all night praying. I am rather convinced that part of that prayer was, Father, who am I going to pick? Afterwards, Jesus tells the Father in John 17, I've been good to those whom you've given to me. On the microcosm, Jesus says, I've chosen you. At the macrocosm, you see Jesus recognizes that God, he gave these 12 to me, and he gave me to these 12. He focused on those whom the Father has placed him with. This is what the apostles do. Peter, he was in this room, and he ends up writing to church leaders in 1 Peter chapter 5, and he says, shepherds, leaders, shepherd the flock among the divine passive, those whom God has placed you with, shepherd those ones. It's focusing your energy on those whom God has placed you with. You ever walk through Walmart, grocery shopping, Target or Aldi if you're bougie, you ever done that? And you ever watch somebody pick a carton of eggs? You ever seen them put their nasty hands on like 112 eggs to get the, first, uh, the perfect dozen? They'll, they'll walk through and they'll have their carton and they'll open a carton. My wife does it. They'll open a carton. It's the grossest thing. Uh, they'll open a carton and they'll be like, I like that one, put you in my carton. Then get another carton, open that one. Y'all ain't never seen people do that. Oh, it, it happens all the time, watch close. His roommate does it. See, you open up the thing, pick another. Every egg, by the end of this whole escapade, every egg in their carton was intentionally placed there with intentionality, with purpose. They, they were placed in the carton on purpose. Listen to me, I want to talk to some eggs of leaders. Listen to me, little eggs. <laughs> them other eggs you find yourself with in that context that you're leading in, God puts you there with them on purpose. Oh, I, sir, I heard a quote that said, coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. 
G.K. Chesterton in uh, Orthodoxy says, the more complicated a coincidence seems, the less it can be a coincidence, it's a miracle. I think both ring true for you where you are in your leadership position. You are not where you are by coincidence. It's not random. You didn't just end up there. You're placed there with those people. Okay, seniors, seniors, come here, let's have a talk, let's have a talk, because I know what it's like to be a senior. Until God puts you somewhere else, the place you are right now is where he wants you. I know you're feeling nervous about the walk of shame in May, where you just have to say still discerning future. If nothing else opened up, it's because God still wants you right there. Okay, let me flip it, let me flip it. Um, earlier this year, I had a friend uh, who I went here to school with who um, he came and visited Christchurch, uh, listened to me preach, blah, blah, blah. And then late that night, he texted me. And uh, it was this long, thought-out thought text. And he was like, hey, I respect you a lot because I know a lot of pastors are miserable for being stuck at small churches in small towns. I said... Fam, you don't know the full story, do you? This isn't to be braggadocious, but Chelsea and I, we've had every opportunity to leave Joplin since we've graduated. Big churches, nice churches, some of the biggest churches in the country. Most recently, a few years ago, we just went and flew out to visit a massive church, said the job is yours if you want. Chelsea and I loved the church, had nothing to say about the people. All good. On the flight back home, we spent a week praying and said, it just really feels like God wants us here. He thought we were stuck here. He didn't know we were sent here. Seniors, listen to me. If the youth group you're at now is the only opportunity that's open right now, you are not stuck. You are sent there. I know some of you thought I'd be preaching on a stage, but here I am preaching at McDonald's. You're not stuck there. You were sent there. Some of you are in this weird spot still with the small group you've been with for four years and nothing's opened up. You're not stuck there. You're sent there. Listen, wherever you find yourself, seniors, you are not stuck there. Until God moves you, you're sent there. I grew up in this environment. It's not bad to dream. Please dream about your future. But here's where the dreams go bad. If your dreams of where you want to be take up so emotional and mental and spiritual energy that you're focusing on those dreams and neglecting the people whom God has placed you with, if I can be frank, that's an emotional affair. I said, no, I sent you there. I, I didn't marry you to your dream. I didn't marry you to these ideals of people. I, for this point right here, for this time period, I put you there, seniors, you're not stuck, you're sent. Okay, I need to move on. Here's a third one. Um, the blessed way of leadership is letting God's voice move your feet. Shout feet. feet. Shout it one more time. Feet. Act like you got two weeks left of school. Shout it one more time. Thank you. Thank you. The blessed way of leadership is letting God's voice move your feet. It says that Jesus, he got down, he started, he, he, he took off his garments and he started washing their feet. We know this. This is basic Bible college stuff. Foot washing is something that only slaves and servants would do. So Jesus, he starts to serve. So then he gets to Peter and Peter said, fam, you can't touch my feet. Peter didn't want Jesus to do what Jesus was doing to him. This ain't the first time that happened, is it? Remember when Jesus said, hey, I'm the Messiah. It's me. Surprise. I'm going to die in a few years. And then Peter took him to the side. 
and gave God a Bible study lesson <laughs> on why what Jesus said he was going to do, he ain't supposed to do. Peter, Peter he, didn't, he didn't want Jesus to do what Jesus was set out to do. Here's the good news. Jesus, though he was serving Peter, he wasn't serving Peter's purposes. Jesus was serving God's purposes in the life of Peter. This is the pattern that the apostles set out, Paul, when he talks about leadership in uh, 1 Corinthians, I believe. He says, this is how we regard ourselves. He says, as servants. In Greek, that's the concept, under rowers. We regard ourselves as under rowers of Christ. Do you know what an under rower is? That's a hard word to say for me, under rower. Uh, they're, they're people, they, they row in a ship. But at the time when Paul was writing this, under rowers, they were at the bottom of the ship. And there were no windows. So they're just down there rowing, and they're moving when the captain says move. Eyes closed, pitch black bark, dark, they can't see anything. When the captain says move, they move. When captain says stop, they stop. When captain says move, they move. They've abdicated all rights and privileges to uh, call their own cues. They're saying we're only doing what the captain has told us to do. This is what Paul says leadership is. You don't get to call your own cues. You don't get to respond to their cues. You respond to God's cues. I, uh, I told you I get in arguments a lot. Uh, I got in an argument with the uh, internet company last time uh, they came to my house to get them to install Wi-Fi at my house. So I called them, they come to my house to install Wi-Fi. And the dude, uh, I invite him in and he stays on the porch. And he said, I'm not coming in your house. And I said, I'm paying you. You coming in my house. And he said, sir, no, I got to stay out there. And I said, well, I'm going to come out there and put hands on you. Come in my house. <laughs> and so we went back in a preacher way, put hands on it, you know, like not. Yeah, you know, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cast that demon out of um, Stop. We got eight minutes, guys. Um, so, so, so. Um, then he finally says, no, 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 like, Sparklight, we've got a COVID policy. My manager says we can't come in the house lest we expose you or we get exposed. This is early 2020, lest we expose one another to COVID. He said, I've got to follow the policy of the person who sent me here because it, otherwise it could put me or you in harm. Listen, friends, this is what it looks like to serve people. You're sticking to the policy of the one who sent you, lest it cause you or them harm. Preacher, like he says, where purpose is unknown, abuse, abnormal use is inevitable. If you don't know your purpose, if you are not clear on God's purposes in the life of people, abnormal use, you will abnormally use your power or people will abnormally use you. Listen, we're creative people. When we get in leadership positions, we've got a lot of ideas about what we want to happen in people's lives. And if you're not clear on God's purposes for them, you'll abuse them. And people have a lot of ideas about what you should be doing with your time. And if you're not clear on God's purposes, they'll abuse you. Don't settle for your vision in the lives of the people you're leading. Don't settle for their vision for you. God has something better that's redemptive, that's life-giving. Stick to that. 
So, so, so here's the blessed way. What's the blessed way? It's, 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 it's recognizing what God's put in your hand, and it's focusing on the people whom God's placed you with, and then, it's, and then it's serving God's purposes in the life of people. This is what Jesus showed us in his classroom in theory, but here's my question. How's that actually work in practice? How's that work outside of the classroom? Jesus, he shows us that what Jesus did here in John 13 is a prophetic picture of what he'd go on to do a few hours later when he would serve by giving his life for humanity. Jesus, he was, he, was, he was given all things by the Father in a way he was lifted up, and then he served humanity by dying. He went down, and then the Father picked him back up on Easter. He went back up. Jesus showed us in real time that this blessed way of leadership is up, down, and back up. Up with all things given into his hands, down in service, back up in the bus. I don't know what that'll look like for you. For some of y'all, that up, down, back up might look like seeing some kids baptized. For some of y'all, up, down, back up, that might look like somebody coming back to Jesus, seeing somebody come back to Jesus. For all of you, the up, down, back up will definitely look like being made to look more like Jesus along the way. For everybody, the up, down, back up way will look like the privilege, absolute privilege of being a partner with God in redemptive history. Up, down, back up is the blessed way. I know it's good. I know up, down, back up is good because Jesus, he went the way already. Okay, I'm done talking about my wife after this. Um, you'll never hear about her again. Uh, that's a lie. We like to go to Third Thursday um, here in Y'all have been to Third Thursday. You know what that is on Main Street? So we like to go Third Thursday, but it's like terribly hard to get through Third Thursday peacefully. Um, for example, there was one time I was going over to, um, I was going to another place to preach on a Thursday night, and Chelsea and I thought, okay, we're going to go to Third Thursday, pick up dinner on our way out of town. So we had like $20 cash in our pocket. It was dinner money. We were like three months married, so that $20 was like our savings account. So like, that's all we had. <laughs> so we're walking to the food trucks. And there's this dude over here to the right behind one of those stupid uh, booths where they have like balloons hung up there. And if you pop it, then you get like a prize. So I like avoid eye contact with this guy because I've got like all competitor in my spirit. And I avoid eye contact. And he saw me avoiding eye contact. And he was like, you afraid to lose in front of your girl? <laughs> Long story short, Chelsea and I didn't eat that night. I spent all my money. Um, <laughs> She's still mad. <laughs> but here, 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 just a few weeks, just a few months ago, just a few months ago, we're walking through Third Thursday, doing our thing at a food truck, and there's this dude with this, I kid you not, demogorgon of a snake wrapped around his neck. And this thing's a threat to me and my family. So me being the Superman that I am, I'm like, I need to lead my household. So you know what I did? I said, Chelsea, you go first. I'll walk behind you. <laughs> then I'll know it's safe. <laughs> I, I knew the way that we were going was good because I was watching Chelsea go that way. I know up, down, and up is good and blessed. I saw Jesus go that way, friends. I saw him. I saw him up there. I opened up the book and I saw the eternal word living up there before there was a time to be. I opened up the book and I saw he who fills all things sitting on his throne before there was a place to actually stand. I saw him go down. I opened up the book and I saw the high king of heaven become a servant on earth. 
Uh, I saw he who was innocent uh, uh, bow down under the condemnation of crucifixion, washing you of your guilt. I saw the author of life lay down under the sting of death, freeing you from the grip of the grave. I saw him go down, but also saw him go back up. I opened up the book and I saw his father push breath back into his lifeless body. I saw his father pick him back up to the throne in heaven. I saw his father place the name that's above every name on his shoulder. I opened up the book and I saw that at the name of Jesus one day, every knee on heaven, in heaven, on earth and under the earth will bow at the name of Jesus to the glory of God. He was up, he went down and he's back up. That's a real blessed way. Blessed way is up down and up. Father, thank you. Thank you for showing us this way. Thank you for inviting us to go this way. Thank you that at the end of the day, leadership's being led by you, Jesus. And you've led us in a good way. Thank you for going before. Thank you. Thank you.